Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of the HRER podcast, where we delve into the world of HR emergencies and scandals. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to HRER on your favourite podcast platform. Get ready for scandalous stories, lessons learned and a generous dose of advice for HR professionals for navigating the HR landscape. Our goal here is not just to entertain, but also to help you learn from the topics we touch on in order to save your business from its own emergency. Does the behaviour meet the criteria for sexual harassment? Now, he hasn't done this to Amy, but actually it doesn't matter. He has done something that in the workplace violates her dignity, that has made her feel uncomfortable. When dealing with customers, there's a need to provide excellent service, but when is it too far? Obviously that's too far, mm-hmm. but you can't go around sniffing robes and such, can you really? People can feel that they can open up to friends and family, but as, as an employer, it's quite a big thing to speak up and say, look, there's something I'm really not happy about. And if someone raises legitimate concerns, we should never be taking them down a path to termination, unless we have reasonable grounds to show that either they're being malicious, untruthful, or doing it purposely to try and get somebody else into trouble, and they're, they're being dishonest about it. My name is Alyssa Thursfield. I'm an employment lawyer and the founder of Superheroes and Heroes. I'm here with Ollie, my co-host, to discuss scandalous HR stories, employment law problems, as we delve into emails that I have actually received, given advice on, and we're going to take these to pieces and see what lessons you can learn from the inquiries that I have had. Uh, A little bit about me. I'm uh, I'm Ollie. Thank you, Alyssa. Ollie Robinson, you're one of your hosts and a software specialist. I've got five years in the, the software as a service world, working closely with like HR teams, employment managers, things like that, and recruiters as well, of course. And um, as Alyssa said, I'm going to go through some emails that she's actually received. Um, scandalous stories, salacious rumours, you name it, we've got it. Cool, let's kick off. First one today, let's go. Uh, the first story we've got is, well... Quite this, this one actually made me laugh, to be honest. Um, is sniffing a shirt sexual harassment gone too far? So we've actually got an email mm-hmm. in, haven't we? Um, which I have. I'm going to move the mic a little bit with me. Which I've actually got noted down here. So, hi, Lisa. Hope you are well. Another one for you. As you know, we have recently expanded our services from hot tub servicing to full pool and spa cleaning and servicing. As a result, we've expanded the staff. One of the new staff, Amy, was sent out with a team leader brackets Dave, to one of our biggest clients. They have an indoor swimming pool, sauna, steam room, hot tub, you name it. She's a very high profile TV celebrity, mm-hmm. you lucky thing, and former model. Amy came to us at the end of her shift saying she wanted to raise a concern. She said when she came back from her lunch, David got in the client's hot tub. Now this was before it was cleaned. I'm not sure if that's worse or better. <laughs> um, from, and afterwards when he dried off, he saw a monogrammed robe hanging up. He took it down, pushed it into his face and sniffed it. Amy said it felt totally inappropriate, made her feel very uncomfortable. And she doesn't want to go out with on jobs with Dave anymore. What on earth do we do? Well, I can't blame her, for first of all. I mean, you can't make this stuff up, can you? No, it's, you can't. Uh, I'd love to say that this sort of thing... Um, or this kind of nature of query is unusual, but there really are some some individual characters out there, which is what makes my job so amazing um, when it comes to advising on this sort of stuff. So first of all, what a great email. We've yep. got loads of detail in there. So we know the background of what's gone on. We know that we've got a staff member who's concerned and who's a bit upset by this. And also we've got an issue here that needs to be dealt with. We've got an employee who has been using a customer's property, so he's abusing his position potentially. Absolutely. Um, and also we've got some conduct in there where we need to have a think, well, 
Amy's upset about it, but does it go as far as sexual harassment? And, you know, where does all this sit? So there's loads to unpick here. And I'd say really great email. They've given me lots of background here that we can start to unpick. So you'd include, there's nothing more needed in that from your point so, of view? In terms of other things that I'd be asking for, I'd be asking if they've already spoken to Amy in a bit more detail and also, crucially, whether they've already spoken to Dave. Because what I can sometimes um, find out is if someone has sort of launched in there and they've gone knee-jerk reaction, this is dreadful, and they've gone and given Dave a rollicking, they could well have already played their hand, which means we have to start to roll things back a Mm -hmm. little bit. So if they've told him, you're going to lose your job over this, this is disgraceful, they've shown their hand. Really, we need to kind of sit, tap back, take a breath, plan what we're going to do with something like this, because there's loads of issues going on. And we need to really, really understand the legal principles here that are in play. So you'd want to know like what steps they've taken so far, if any, as well. Okay, lovely. Um, We're going to probably tackle this primarily from an employer point of view, Mm -hmm. aren't we, and how they're going to deal with that and there are some questions which i've noted down when dealing with customers there's a need to provide excellent service Mm -hmm. but when is it too far obviously that's too far Mm -hmm. you can't go around sniffing robes and such can you really so with this when we're talking about the standard of behavior really that we can expect from dave and um you know where he's being sent in to clean a hot tub we're certainly not expecting him to get in it. You know, is he always no. swimming trunks with him or has he got in there in the nude? You know, <laughs> how has how this actually unfolded? I suppose it's how far over the line is he rather yeah. than has he crossed the line? Absolutely. So with employees, yes, you know what? You can relax a bit at work. We want people to enjoy themselves at work. We're all about well-being in the workplace. But really, someone has got to come to work and has got to be expected to do their job. Yes, in a good environment. But at the end of the day, we'd be saying here that Dave has crossed the line. He isn't, this isn't any way something that he's doing in accordance with his duties no i mean i imagine sort of trialing such equipment's not part of his job description is it though i suppose at least he got in it before it was cleaned so yeah he had already didn't... cleaned the tub when he jumped in just so. yeah i don't know um with that in mind what sort of uh how would you advise these people these the employees to sort of set boundaries would you just a standard job description should do it So with something like this, I would say it's common sense that I don't think we need to be explicit in the job description about the fact that they they aren't using employer equipment. Having said that, um, you can't necessarily always anticipate what people are going to do. So Mm -hmm. there's absolutely nothing wrong with being explicit in your handbook or in your company rules about the standard of behaviour and what is and isn't acceptable. In terms of then, you know, the horse has kind of already bolted with this. He's he's done it. So how how do we Mm, deal with this now? Um, There's a few things here that we need to deal with. Um, it's not just a case of, well, let's deal with Dave. Because the reality is Amy's upset. And if we don't address that, deal with it and provide her with some sort of reassurance, then we're probably going to be facing a grievance further down the line. So two strategies here. We need to be dealing with Amy. And by dealing, I don't mean don't bring us a complaint again. You know, we don't raise concerns in this Mm. company. We sit down, we show her some empathy and we talk about what's happened and what it is that has specifically upset her. Um, I suspect it's going to be the gross behaviour of someone putting their face into a robe and and having a bit of a... She's brand new as well, isn't she? (laughs) She's green and easy to lead her. It's an opportunity to set the theme for the culture of your business and how you respond to concerns and to make people feel valued. So we've got a real opportunity with Amy here as a new member of staff to really make her feel part of the team and give her some reassurance. So Amy, I would say the priority. Now with Dave, we need to be thinking, well, what is it that we are accusing him of? So abusing his position. So he is trusted to enter the property of a customer and go and do his job. And he hasn't done that. Um, Secondly, does the behaviour meet the criteria for sexual harassment? Now, He hasn't done this to Amy, 
but actually it doesn't matter. He has done something that in the workplace violates her dignity, that has made her feel uncomfortable. Yeah, course, and yeah. she has seen that there's potentially a sexual connotation to this, which when we question her, we'll get a bit more detail over whether she just felt like there was a bit of an ick or actually whether this was something that was sexual. So yeah. I bet you've never heard an employment law talk, no, no. talk about ick. No. Um, it's a very 2023 word, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. <laughs> oh, does that, are we out? Do we not use ick in 2024? We can use it now. <laughs> we can use it now. So it's really key that we get those details from Amy so that we can be really clear then on what we're accusing Dave of. Because there is a bit of a misconception that if somebody hasn't personally received that behaviour, that it isn't sexual harassment. And that is not the case. We absolutely can bring an allegation of sexual harassment against him. And if we don't, later on this year in 2024, we're going to be getting in trouble because we have that new duty coming in for employers to make sure that we have harassment-free okay. workplaces. Okay. Um, with that in mind, sort of boundaries from employers mm -hmm. to avoid this happening. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's highly unlikely these sort of things happen this is probably the only one that made me like laugh a little bit to be honest this story mm -hmm. every time i sniggered at it um what sort of how would you advise sort of these people these mm -hmm. hr departments to set the boundaries with people and, mm -hmm. um, so and make sure it's not going to happen where you've got employees in the workplace in some ways it's much easier because we can keep an eye on them since COVID and since we've had the expansion of remote hybrid working, and then also with a business like this where you've got people out on site, we can't be watching them all the time. We're not police. We don't have body cams on people. You know, We're not no, monitoring them not. and looking at what they're doing. So there is an element of trust here. So we set the boundaries out. We tell people what the rules are and what the standards of behaviour are. Where we get concerns, we deal with them properly so that people feel that they can speak up. Because if you have an issue of trust with one employee, the only way you're going to find out about it is either if an employee brings it to your attention or a customer. And if a customer does it, mm. it's going to be a lot worse for your business. Bad for the business. Exactly. So a culture where people feel that they can speak up, where they feel that they're going to be heard and they're not going to be penalised for having done so is really, really crucial if your employees aren't in your building. Enablement. Enable your employees. That's a good word, isn't it? That is a good word. Hey, we're learning. Well done, Thank you. Second question. Mm -hmm. uh, from an employee standpoint again. Typically, we see sexual harassment as stalking someone or mm -hmm. touching someone inappropriately. Um, what is actually classed, I mean, you touched on it a little bit there, mm -hmm. but like, what is actually classed as harassment in the workplace? Perhaps it's psychological, physical. Mm -hmm. How, where does it branch out? Where are the lines drawn? Okay. So if we have any behaviour that could be classed as sexual in nature or that's taken as sexual in nature mm -hmm. that violates someone's dignity, creates a hostile work environment, makes them feel humiliated, even if it wasn't the intended effect, but it had that purpose, then it could be classed as sexual harassment. Okay. Now, what I often get asked by employers is, well, what one person sees as something that they're going to find humiliating, somebody else won't. Is there a hard and fast rule? Well, no, there isn't. So if somebody raises a query and they tell you that they have felt humiliated, we need to take that seriously and get to the bottom of it. Now, there have been cases where judges will, when this comes to a tribunal, occasionally offer an opinion that somebody may be overly sensitive. However, it's extremely rare when it comes to sexual harassment cases. By the time something gets to tribunal, often we are looking at quite serious behaviour. So I would be very, very cautious before you tell somebody that they're overthinking something or they're being oversensitive. My advice would always be take things very seriously. If you're not sure what side of the line the conduct falls on, whether it is or whether it isn't, call your lawyer. 
that's what employment lawyers are here for. We're here to provide that insight and say, well, look, you know what? Here's several cases where this sort of conduct has been dealt with before. This is where we think it fits, which is, again, why it's really important that when something happens, we don't just launch ourselves into something because, again, it's very hard to unpick things once we've said them. So take advice understand what your strategy is and what you need to do and then we can do it in a cool calm collected manner and it's going to reduce our legal risk so sort of um this is my own question okay very creative <laughs> uh, the metric for that would you say the metric for how serious mm -hmm. something is could you say it's very much like the impact it has on the in this it's, case amy yeah it's how example. it's received okay um but i wouldn't when it comes to sexual harassment i wouldn't be talking about grades if, it, if it's caught by that definition, we're treating it as sexual harassment. Okay. Even if we think, well, you know, it's it's not the worst sexual harassment I've ever seen. No, sexual <laughs> harassment. <laughs> so that's that's the attitude that we need to be taking. Very serious thing, exactly. isn't it? In general, it's a very serious thing. Um, last one for, for, for the employer. Um, that's written down. I may get more <laughs> that come to the brain immediately. Um, sexual harassment can be a, a he said, she said thing. Mm -hmm. um, with only sort of certain versions of evidence. Obviously, everyone's got their own sort of version of events, haven't they? Um, what can employees do to really get down to the nitty gritty and the truth of the, the, mm -hmm. the matter of fact? So that is a really good question. Um, Thank you. <laughs> uh, the reason being, so when people talk about, you know, how do I prove beyond all reasonable doubt? Because they've watched loads of the bill, not the bill, I'm showing my age. Um, what's, what's the current <laughs> Line police of duty. Job? Line of duty. So we're talking Epic. about beyond all reasonable doubt yes. to be able to prove something's happened. The employment world, we don't need to do that. We don't need to show that someone has done something beyond all reasonable doubt, which is a really, really high standard to reach. All we have to do is go on balance. 51%. Do we think it's more likely to okay. have happened than not? So actually, we're, we're a bit further along in terms of how comfortable we are with establishing that something's happened or not, because we just have to go reasonably, do I think this happened or didn't it? Now, we still have to be reasonable in how we come to that conclusion. Whenever you talk to employment lawyers, reasonable is our favourite word. We drop it into everything. Mm -hmm. Tribunal judges drop it into everything. If something's been reasonable, you can probably guarantee you're on the right lines. So when we need to establish whether we think someone has reasonably done something or not, we need to investigate mm -hmm. so we can talk to people. And you can, as an employer, make a judgment on how credible you think somebody is. And as long as you can explain your reasoning, you are entitled to come to a decision over whether you think something has happened or not. So okay. I've found a lot of my clients do struggle with this, particularly where you've got someone who is a long-standing member of staff, someone who you thought would never do something like this before. You think, well, actually, I feel their credibility holds. I feel like I know them quite well. But make sure you've done the investigation first. Make sure you've asked enough questions so that if you are in the on the witness stand in tribunal and a judge asks you or you're being cross-examined by the barrister, well, why did you come to that conclusion? If you say, oh, well, I've known Dave for 10 years. He'd never do anything like that. I'd drink with him and his wife in the pub at the weekend our kids play together it's not good enough mm. you haven't asked those questions you haven't asked the difficult questions to get to the bottom of what's happened so as long as you've done that and you've come to a decision that is reasonable you can then decide whether or not someone has done something or not in a he said she said she said situation the, 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 you mentioned the um the people in the tribunal that come mm -hmm. up like the thing that comes to my mind is like do you go for like character references and like how do you like diagnose proof and such a yeah. thing? Is it just like 
So in in tribunal, it's it's already happened. The decisions have already been made. Okay, okay, okay. So what the judge is deciding is whether the decisions that were made at the time mm -hmm. were reasonable right. and lawful. In hindsight. Exactly. Okay, so right. if you bring a character aspirance to tribunal, if that wasn't read by the employer at the time, the judge isn't going to care. You're not right. convincing the judge at the time that this guy didn't do it. What the judge is looking at is the employer's decision, how they made it, and whether that decision was reasonable or not, based on the information that they had. And that based on the information that they had is really important. That's why the investigation is key. We want as much information as we can get so that we're really, really well armed and well informed before we make that decision. Excellent. Uh, I think that about covers it from the employer standpoint. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to come at this from the employee standpoint. Uh, I've got a few questions here. Mm -hmm. I, they may not may not be from Amy or Dave. So um, this, I imagine this is from this is from Dave, and this is quite a, a ridiculous thing to say. Uh, <laughs> I was just going above and beyond for the client, which my role requ requires. Mm -hmm. Is my employer asking for too much? So I suppose where Dave <sighs> could be coming at from here is: is he oh. testing the water temperature, or perhaps you know? Whether the environment was, was optimal. Um, yeah. I don't know what his excuse would be about the bathrobe. I suppose his job doesn't require him to touch those. No, um, no, no, no. What I would say here is this sort of stuff is going to come out in investigation and ultimately the disciplinary. So if that's his mitigation or that's his excuse, mm. then through that disciplinary process, we are going to be deciding whether we think that that is enough either to find him not guilty or if we're still finding him guilty, that yes, we think you have done this, you've crossed some lines, whether we think it mitigates the sanction. So there's two stages that Dave can expect mm -hmm. in a disciplinary. Okay. One, a decision over whether we think he did it or not. And secondly, then, what the punishment is. So once we've decided guilty or not guilty, are we dismissing with notice, without notice? Are we giving him a final written warning, written warning, or a slap on the wrist? So it may be factual. You know, the customer could offer CCTV to show he's done it. So mm -hmm. in which case we get the guilty straight away. Yeah, that's all the, the proof you need. The difficult decision then is, well, how are we dealing with it? Are we dismissing him? Is it so dreadful that we think all trust and confidence is gone? He's absolutely breached his contract of employment. We can never trust this individual out on a site again. Then we could be looking at dismissal without notice or dismissal with notice. If we think, well, actually, you know what, Dave has presented in his hearing... I'm having a really hard time at home. I don't get a minute's peace from the kids. I'm up all through the night. I saw the hot tub and I'm sorry, but I just I just saw five minutes where I could have peace and quiet by myself. So he's not going, you know what? I'm entitled to it. They've got all this money. It doesn't matter if I jump in their hot tub. They're not here. That's two very different responses that could well change what that sanction is when we come to deciding what we're going to do God, with him. I don't know about your reactions to stress, but I'm not sniffing <laughs> Other people's clothes, and I'm stressed and looking for peace and quiet personally. You want to know what we did with this guy? So, yeah, um, please. We've, <laughs> we have, uh, we've modified the story slightly to protect obviously the clients. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the staff member was dismissed. Oh, it was a total naturally. breach of trust and confidence. We could never trust this person to go out onto sites no, again. You can't be doing um, that. And actually, when the investigation uh, delved into this, there were photographs of the, the person's house. You wondered what I was going to say then yeah. when I said photographs. Um, he'd been photographing the insides of like um, the... The, the famous uh, person's house. Uh, he was totally abusing his position, um, sharing them with his friends and putting them on social media. So there was an absolute trust and confidence issue. He'd totally crossed the line. He knew better. He'd been with the business for like nine years. Um, so it's a lot, we 
fundamentally his job requires the ability for us to trust him, mentor new staff, go out onto sites and do his job to a very high standard. And he totally fell short and he totally broke broke his contract of employment. I reckon he got too comfortable, mate. I think he became think. very comfortable in his position and essentially because he was very good at what he did, I think he felt he was a little bit untouchable. Saw a chance and he took it. Exactly. Got respect yeah. it. Some regards, I'm joking. And what we don't know is with, with other staff members that had been with him, how men, how long had he been doing things like this with staff members not speaking up? Mm. So it was really, really crucial here that we treated Amy very well, that she was dealt with in a very empathetic manner and um, that we showed that she was valued for speaking up because... When we delved into this and saw that it was a longer standing issue, there was obviously an issue with staff speaking up. And it's only because Amy was new. She wasn't quite in that culture. She weren't used to that behaviour, was she? You know, like you say, if he were going out on his own, Mm. no one was shadowing him. God Mm. knows what he's he's dipping himself into. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Second question from an employee. Not sure how much time we've got left, to be honest, but I will. I will continue. Um, I'm in a lower position of power. I'm scared to say anything in the fear Mm. of losing my job. Mm. What do I do? So that'd be for Amy, wouldn't I imagine? Exactly for Amy. So my advice when it comes to um, culture in the workplace, when it um, about employees having a voice, is we need to be building environments that are psychologically safe. And what I mean by that is that employees should feel that they are able to speak up without being penalised. So where people raise legitimate concerns or anything that is worrying them, we give them that time and that space, that we show empathy, that we show support, that we don't minimise their feelings and we don't tell them that they're worried over nothing, that we give it the level of concern that it absolutely warrants. Because at the end of the day, people can feel that they can open up to friends and family, but as, as an employer, it's quite a big thing to speak up and say, look, there's something I'm really not happy about. And if someone raises legitimate concerns, we should never be taking them down a path to termination unless we have reasonable grounds to show that either they're being malicious, untruthful or doing it purposely to try and get somebody else into trouble and they're they're being dishonest about it. Those are the only circumstances where I would be advising and advising with caution, because ultimately if someone can show that what they've raised is legitimate, even if they've timed it well to make sure it impacts somebody else, we've still got to be very careful. So it's kid gloves when we're dealing with concerns. Because otherwise, we could be facing for the serious stuff, potentially whistleblowing claims, or it's, it's a big word, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And it's it's one that really, really does kind of you know put the fright on mm. employers that if someone's been dismissed because they've they've blown the whistle, um, or if someone raises a legitimate concern and we don't deal with it properly and they resign as a result, we could be facing a constructive dismissal claim. So constructive dismissal is where someone resigns and says the employer has breached my contract of employment. Okay. So I'm going rather than they've been fired and they're claiming unfair dismissal. I might be playing greedy employee here, but in that instance, does the employee get paid out? Or Not, do... So if someone resigns and, and they're claiming constructive dismissal, often they haven't been paid out at the point of termination. Okay. They would have to sue the employer then to bring a constructive dismissal claim. So from an employer perspective, mm-hmm. you've got a very unhappy employee who feels that they've been forced to leave and then you're going through the PR nightmare with associated legal costs of defending a tribunal claim. We don't want to be there. If somebody raises concerns, let them feel psychologically safe. Give them the airtime and the space to to air their grievance and what's wrong and deal with it fairly and properly. Build a safe working environment for employees to speak up. Exactly. Culture, people, culture. Um, last one. Um, the the mo- this is from Dave's standpoint. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they just it just sounds they just sound more and more ridiculous as we go. Uh, the 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 celebrity was showing interest in me. What can I do to say it was mutual interest? 
So if he's trying to establish here that um, perhaps him and the celebrity have some sort of relationship or mm -hmm. a building relationship, he's on work time. He is being paid to service that hot tub. If he thinks that he has some sort of personal connection with this person, that should be in his private time. But equally, where we're talking about businesses of this sort of nature, we often see in the handbooks or the rule books that they are not to form personal relationships with clients or customers. And if something is developing or someone is saying things to them that would suggest that that's what they want, that they have to disclose it to the employer. Because at the end of the day, the employer's business could suffer an untold amount if you have an employee who misinterprets something and you end up with a customer bringing a sexual harassment claim or even informing the police. Yeah. So any suggestion from Dave that he thinks that the celebrity was coming on to him, he should have disclosed that immediately to the employer. And as an employer, then you'd be looking at potentially rotating that person out, perhaps to save the dignity of the celebrity or perhaps even having a client meeting. Yeah, Dave's got an ego, hasn't he? As men, we never we, we never inflate um, females interested in us, never. I don't know what he's talking about. Um, so close up now. Mm -hmm. We've been chatting a bit, haven't we? Uh, lessons learned. Uh, what emergency measures can HR mm -hmm. departments put in place to prevent this mm -hmm. sort of thing from happening in future? So what's absolutely key is that we don't just launch in there and overreact. So the first thing to do in, in an emergency situation, you take a step back. You take a breath. Think, right, what is it that I need to do here? Let's get a view over the whole situation take advice because it could well be that all you're focusing on like in this situation is the Dave situation mm -hmm. and we we run the risk that we forget about Amy so having that objective you know third party standpoint where someone's looking at this situation can be really really valuable in terms of making sure that there's no legal risk there that you are missing then we need to be thinking about the procedures that we're going to have to follow and make sure they are properly planned out. So do we need to be thinking about potentially a grievance process or some sort of um, soft to touch process to make sure Amy's okay so that we are covering things off in line with company procedure? And then also, Dave, the investigation and that disciplinary process. So making sure we're getting the invitation letters right, that they are legally compliant, that we're giving him his right to be accompanied at a full disciplinary hearing, that he gets the evidence in advance, that he's told where, when and who will be holding the meeting, that the disciplinary meeting itself is compliant and that then when we make a decision, that that decision is reasonable based on evidence and would give him the right to appeal. So there's a lot to think about. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a project. We plan it out. So back to my first point, we take a breath, we think about what's going on, we take advice and then plan out how are we going to deal with this. So you would say like Amy's Amy's like the, the, the priority almost and that would get resolved, I imagine, a little bit quicker than the whole Dave thing? I like would longer... say so. And again, where employers sometimes get this the wrong way around is they say, this was really serious behaviour, but we had to deal with Dave straight away. Suspend him. Yeah. We, d we don't need to deal Absolutely. with him today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got to investigate this. We've got to take time. If we act like that, we haven't investigated properly, we haven't gathered evidence, the chances are the basis for our decision is going to be unreasonable because we can't back it up with anything. So if you feel under pressure to get him out of the business or think we need a bit of time and space to deal to, to look after Amy, we can look at suspension. Take a breath, don't be hasty. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, closing thoughts, really, mm. on that. I mean, it was mm. good fun to discuss. <laughs> it's an unusual query. Yeah. It's a strange one, isn't it? But what I would say is, you know, the stuff that we get in, you literally couldn't make it up. No, no, no. Um, the kinds of problems that companies face when they ring and say, this is really, really going to blow your mind. Um, and... I absolutely, popcorn out. Yeah, I absolutely <laughs> love it. So um, 
every day we get different queries, different levels of seriousness, and some stuff's just, it's hilarious. Um, not from in terms of seriousness for the company, but just what people get up to at work. Yeah, just to read, yeah. like no disrespect yeah. intended, it yeah. is entertaining, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, my clients love the way that we deal with them because um, we never judge. I'm there at the end of the phone on a Zoom call going, right, come on, what's happened? Yeah, yeah. How They're are we going to deal with informal this? Informal chatting. Um, and there's nothing that nothing that we've never been able to handle before. So Nice, yeah. nice. Well, that wraps up our, our very first episode. That's all we've got give, time for. Give ourselves a pat on the back. I think we've done all right, to be fair. Well, thank you, Ollie, for being my co-host. Really enjoyed Pleasure. talking to you about Pleasure. HRER today. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Hopefully you'll join us on demand. And also look out for our next episodes, which should be dropping within the next couple of weeks. Until next time, we're your host signing off from HRER. Take care of your HR and may your workplace be disaster free. Before we go, a big thank you to you for tuning in and don't forget to subscribe. If you have your own ER stories or suggestions for future episodes, reach out to us at Heroes or on social media or even HRER at heroes.co.uk. As we navigate the maze of workplace blunders, remember that no organisation is perfect. But by sharing these stories, we can all work towards creating healthier, happier and more productive workplaces. <laughs>